Flo kindly gave me uh, this as a reminder of what day it was. It's actually from Greece. Uh, after Easter, Joy and I are off to Greece, well, to Crete, and I worked out that we're going to get Easter twice over this year, uh, which will be a double blessing because, of course, Orthodox churches celebrate Easter uh, at a different date, so that's something to look forward to. Okay, so it is indeed Palm Sunday, and uh, I've been had the, uh, the mickey taken out of me incessantly about donkeys, uh, because, well, I'm not entirely sure why, uh, and it would be quite possible, wouldn't it, to uh, preach a sort of a cheerful sermon. Um, and as the video said, it's, it's not a sad day, it's not a sad uh, time of year, because ultimately we know um, the outcome. But I was very challenged as I was preparing and thinking, if I was today standing up in a church in the Ukraine, or amongst a, a gathering of believers in Afghanistan, or perhaps uh, in hiding in North Korea, uh, what sermon would I preach? It wouldn't be a cheerful um, sermon, I'm sure, because people around the world are suffering a great deal. Um, and it's very easy uh, on a day like today when you live in Felixstowe and the sun's shining and we can perhaps walk to church along by the sea and have a really lovely day, it's very easy for us to forget um, just how much the world needs a saviour. If only there was someone who could sort things out. Someone who could end all the oppression. Someone who could bring peace. Or even just somebody who could stop things being so frustrating. Well, realistically, we have to say to ourselves, what hope is there? What hope is there? And uh, in today's account from Matthew's Gospel, uh, we get to see some of that hope. Uh, it's always tricky trying to decide where to start and end our reading. Um, usually, on Palm Sunday, we start with Jesus um, sending his disciples to uh, find the donkey. But as I was reading through this account, I thought we'd start just a little bit earlier. But of course, the story doesn't start in verse 29 of uh, chapter 20. Um, and if you do have your Bibles open, uh, that would be great. That's page, I think, 988 in the church Bibles. Uh, the story doesn't start there. Uh, the story, uh, we're coming into the middle of an account of Jesus making his way to Jerusalem. Um, in verse 17, we, we are reminded that Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. Um, and on the way to Jerusalem, he says to them, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. 
And that wasn't the first time Jesus had said that. It was, in fact, in Matthew's Gospel, the third time. He's announced that he's going to Jerusalem to die, uh, but ultimately to be raised to life. And here he is um, on that journey. And along that journey, um, he has certain encounters. But if we long for somebody who can sort things out and bring peace. Well, the Jewish people in Jerusalem at that time, they had been waiting a long time for such a deliverer. A long time, well over 500 years. Uh, maybe a 1,000 years they had been waiting. And the first point uh, that we come to and which we focused on throughout our service uh, as regards... Um, Palm Sunday, our first point is that Jesus, the longed-for king, is here. Just glance through the passage that we uh, had read to us um, and we joined in with. And don't miss what Matthew is saying. Now, in the little video, we heard about the stones crying out. They don't come in Matthew. Um, Matthew focuses on other aspects of this day, but notice what he does tell us. First of all, uh, as Jesus is leaving Jericho, uh, these two men start shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David. Of course, David was the greatest king that uh, Israel had ever had. And he had been promised way back in the Old Testament, in 2 Samuel and chapter 7, um, that he would have a son who would reign and whose kingdom would last forever. And so these people, when they shout out, son of David, they're saying, the king's here. And the, the crowds pick that same shout up, don't they? Son of David, in verse 9, we read it out, didn't we? Hosanna to the son of David. And just so we don't miss it, Matthew also quotes from one of the prophets of the Old Testament, from the prophet Zechariah, in verse 5 of chapter 21. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king comes to you. Behold your king. Uh, the NIV says, See. Uh, it sort of means the same thing, but it's not quite as powerful, is it? Behold, it's sort of a command. Look and see your king comes to you. Jesus, the longed-for king, is here. Zechariah wrote uh, about 550 years before. Um, and uh, in his um, book... There are many, many predictions, but uh, in what he says that is quoted here is, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew doesn't want us to miss this. He doesn't want us to miss 
that the king, the longed-for king, is here. And there's one other thing that he tells us, uh, which shows us that this is a king, and that is what the crowds do with their coats. They lay them on the ground, and the donkey walks over them. Um, that wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment thing, although probably for those individuals it might have been, but if we were to delve right back into uh, the Old Testament, we come across this verse uh, in 2 Kings and chapter 9, where it says, They hurried and took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. It seems that for kings, this was one thing that you did. You laid your cloaks so that they could walk on them. The king is here. So the question, I suppose, then becomes, what sort of king has arrived? What is this king like? And Matthew uh, gives us one or two um, pointers. In that Zechariah quote, it says that the king is righteous. There is no fault in him. It says that he comes with salvation. This coming of the king was to bring salvation. But in Matthew, we, we read um, in the NIV, he is gentle and riding on a donkey. That word gentle can be translated as humble. Just before he met with these blind men, as he left um, Jericho in verse 28 of chapter 20, Jesus says this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Although a king, Jesus came not to serve, and not to be served, but to serve. He's humble and mounted on a donkey. This king, the King Jesus, has arrived and is entering his kingdom. He's predicted that he'll be mocked and flogged and crucified. And we know the truth that later this same week he was crowned. But the crown was a crown of thorns. He was um, dressed in kingly robes, but only to mock him. Jesus, the longed-for king, is here. But secondly, I want us to look at the reactions to Jesus the king. If Matthew has got this thread of kingship weaving through this passage, there's another thread. Uh, well, I think it's there. You'll have to judge for yourselves. It starts with the blind men. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And we have that word again, not in the NIV. Behold, two blind men. Look, there's two blind men. 
And as it goes on, it says, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted. They couldn't see, but they could hear. Uh, as you follow through, their request is, um, open our eyes. And Jesus touched their eyes. And then the Greek says, and they saw again. I've included this account because they are like a precursor to the arrival in Jerusalem, aren't they? Just the two of them. There's a crowd of two. Can two be a crowd? I'm not sure. But they're shouting out, Hosanna to the son, oh, not Hosanna, but they're shouting out to the son of David and that links them with the crowd. But as we go through the account, we get towards the end and what do we read? After Jesus has entered Jerusalem, he goes to the temple, he clears out the merchants, the money changers, um, and the then in verse 14 of chapter 21, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. We're back to the blind again. But then we have this chilling verse. And when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting... Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And what did they say? Don't you hear what they're saying? So at the beginning and the end, we've got seeing and hearing. So the second point we've got is, Jesus the king is recognized but also rejected it's ironic that the blind men are the one who, ones who see Jesus they're the ones who recognize who Jesus is they hear that he's passing by and they start shouting son of David have mercy on us Everyone says, shh, don't just, don't, you know, just be quiet. Uh, and they, they cry out all the louder, son, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And notice how in his compassion and his mercy, Jesus stopped. He wasn't so busy. He wasn't in such a rush to get things done. He stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Lord, open our eyes. And they saw again. The chief priests and the teachers of the law in verse 15 saw the wonderful things. Uh, this word is not just seeing with their eyes, it's, a, it's about perceiving. They understood 
what Jesus was doing. The wonderful things that they saw, I think, obviously included the healing of the blind and the lame, but I think it also included the clearing out of the temple. Because if we were to go back to Zechariah, and the very last verse of Zechariah, we would read, and on that day, which is the day of the Lord, there will, be, there will no longer be a merchant in the house of the Lord Almighty. No longer be any traders. So they understood what was going on, and yet they were indignant. They could see, but they didn't like what they saw. They rejected the king. Sometimes we use that phrase, don't we? Seeing is believing. Uh, in this case, it was the blind who saw and the seeing who rejected. It wasn't a lack of evidence that meant that they didn't believe because they saw what Jesus was doing. It was that they were not humble. They wanted to protect their standing with the people. They wanted their position. They wanted to be um, in charge of their own destiny. And what a contrast they are to those two blind men who in humility and need cried out over and over, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. So in this account, we see that Jesus, the longed-for king, is here and is recognised but is also rejected. So as we, uh, we start this week leading up to Easter, as we focus our thoughts on what happened uh, that, that week in Jesus' life, the question we need to ask is, now that Jesus the King is here, will you, will I, recognize or will I reject him? You see, this is a very important question uh, and not one that we should take lightly because Zechariah, in common with a great deal of the Old Testament, looks forward to the day of the Lord. But it looks forward in sort of, um, it foreshortens it as if it's one event. But from our perspective, we know that the day of the Lord began when Jesus was born, but it will come to an end when Jesus returns for a second time. Jesus came that first time humble and riding on a donkey, but he will come a second time uh, when he will come as Lord of all. In Zechariah, the last chapter in Zechariah, on that day, we read seven times, on that day, his feet will stand 
on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. On that day, there will be no light. On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. On that day, men will be stricken by the Lord with great panic. On that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed on the bells of the horses. And on that day, there will no longer be a merchant in the house of the Lord Almighty. In grace and mercy, Jesus came that first time. He came and was recognised by those who knew their need, who heard he was passing by, who took the opportunity. But he was rejected by some who were self-righteous, who didn't understand their need, and who were indignant The question for us this morning is, which are we going to be? Are we going to recognise our need and cry out? Or are we going to think that we are righteous in and of ourselves and reject the long-awaited king? Do you hear what the children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read... From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this um, familiar but wonderful account of the Lord Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, coming, bringing salvation in righteousness and humility. We thank you for the mercy and the grace that he showed, knowing that he would be mocked, that he would be scourged, that he would be crucified. But he was willing to go through all of that in order to draw men and women to himself. And Father, we thank you that your word promises us that the Lord Jesus will come again and that that will be a great day. A great day for those who know and love you, uh, but a day of judgment for those who don't, for those who are self-righteous and are indignant at Jesus' claims about himself. Father, we pray that by your spirit, uh, you will speak your word into our hearts and our lives. Um, that we might live for you. For those of us who have uh, made a commitment to the Lord Jesus, we pray that by your spirit, you will fill us and enable us to live a life pleasing to you. For those who haven't yet... Uh, come to understand that Jesus is the long-awaited King. 
We pray that your spirit will stir hearts up and bring people into your kingdom, that kingdom of love and peace and joy. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.